Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A huge thank you to Neon, our favourite New Zealand streaming service, for making this episode of Culture Vulture possible. Kia ora everybody and welcome to another wonderful episode of Culture Vulture. Well, I say it's wonderful. We've not recorded it yet, so it could <laughs> that be. That was very confident in your approach to this episode. I oh, love it. I know. Um, Liv, how the hell are you? Oh, look, pretty good. Turned pretty good. 24 over the weekend. I absolutely did. I um, yeah, had the dreaded 24th birthday. I was really scared about it the for some reason. The dreaded 24th is yeah, if it's I'm, a thing. I know, but it's a thing in my head. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've started looking at the lines on my face. Oh, my <laughs> God. I never did before the day I turned 24. Well, look, we listed a whole lot of silly beauty brands. If you want to get on top oh, of those lines, so, I'm sure mm. Goop's got something. Thing. I just need to get some good sunscreen. No, look, I think you need Goop twenty five thousand yeah. dollar dildo, or whatever. It was. Yeah, absolutely, some fucking caviar laced gold shit in oh my God. moisturizer. But yeah, I think that's what I need. How are you, Luce? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, a bit tired. Which yeah. actually, the thing that describes my week, I'm just going to launch into it. Please do. Um, sleepy from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs because I'm short and I'm tired. And I'm not often tired, but I had an afternoon nap every day last week. Yeah, which is very unusual for Lucy. If anyone knows her, she is just almost manic, I would say, oh, a lot of the almost, time. Yeah, a lot of the time. And I think <laughs> In it a just fantastic way. all caught up with me last week, didn't it? Oh, we yeah, it did. We all a tired one. Oh, and like big weekend. Big weekend. Too. Yeah, we were meant to catch up on sleep. Did not. Did not. Absolutely not. What yeah. describes what described your week? <laughs> okay, so what describes my week is baked goods. Oh, because you had a lot of yeah, them. It, yeah, it was my birthday. Um, mm. The spin-off who we, the offices we work in, sent me a beautiful lemon cake. It was mm. delicious. It was. And then Isaiah, our animator for Extremely Online, sent me these amazing cookie pies. And honestly, I was just spoiled for choice with yeah. all the baked goods in my life. So yeah, that was fantastic. Is it an unpopular opinion that like I would rather you send me savory shit than sweet shit like any day of the week? I don't anytime. think I don't think that's unpopular. It's unpopular to me because I'm such mm. a sweet tooth. But mm. I think a lot of people would be on it. Oh, next mundane poll. Oh, I could do. You could do if you're running dry. Oh, I'm not. People have been sending me in. You guys are loving the mundane polls, they are by the so way. So good. They're very good. If any um. Brand is out there listening and wants to sponsor a mundane poll. I'll ask a question about your fucking product or something. True. Fucking great audience feedback. Oh, look, I know. True. Are yes. we our surveyors? I think so. Is that even the word? Posters? <laughs> Posters. <laughs> what do Posters. you do for a living? I'm a podcaster and a poster. I'm a surveyor. <laughs> oh, that's not good. Oh, Liv, what are we talking about this episode? Oh, my God. So we are talking about the Grammys. We are talking about the Grammys. Now, I don't even care about awards shows. No, fuck no, I knew nothing about them. This is so interesting because none of us know anything about the Grammys, why they exist, 
who decides? Why do the same people always seem to be nominated over and over and over again? But then, like, why we all still watch them still buy into them? It's still always on the radar. It's still always on everyone's radar. And mm-hmm. it's really interesting. So Liv's going to give us a rundown of the history of the Grammys, some of the recent controversies, mm-hmm. controversies, controversies, if you're that yes. inclined. <laughs> and I'm going to go through just a short little segment about the power that TikTok has over the Grammys and, like, over the music industry itself. Me and Liv actually have a whole episode about TikTok and the music industry, so I'm not going to go too far into that because you should go back and listen to that episode. But the power that they hold over the Grammy noms is actually wild. And before I get into my naughty or nice, I do need to say that in the show notes of this episode, we have a podcast survey all about Culture Vulture, and we really, really, really need and want, and especially need you guys <laughs> to fill this out for us. We want to know more about you. We want to know how much you love that Neon sponsors this so we can actually do it. We want to make sure we can keep doing it. So we need to hear what you want, hear what you love, hear what you don't love. And we really need to just have you answer those questions. So will you do it for us so please, that we please can continue do it for us. The pleading in your voice. Yeah, literally. I know. I, I really turned it on. No, you I'm did. I'm almost yeah. worried. So literally, actually diagnosed me with a vocal hemorrhage because Adele has Adele had one and I just thought Lucy has that too because you know she's done a lot of loud singing in the past (laughs) on the podcast (laughs) loses her voice far too easily and I said you have got a vocal hemorrhage my darling literally every time I drink even if I'm not shouting this this weekend I was shouting (laughs) but yeah so um that was pleading and vocal hemorrhage so give me some sympathy and go fill out the survey my first naughty or nice for you James Corden has had to apologise to BTS on his talk show after making a joke where he called all of the BTS fans, the BTS army, 15-year-old girls. Liv, you know how I feel about stan culture and not shitting on young women, especially for things that they're interested in. I absolutely do. And actually, we are going to have an extremely online episode about this. I think next week it comes out, next Friday. You read my mind, Honestly. I was literally like in here... Talk about Talk next extremely about online. Extremely online. Yeah. Well, so, I'm stands. A, yeah. Stands. We're big on stands. Mm-hmm. And so when James Corden came out and sort of sort of shed on them slightly, the BTS army, who are the stanniest of all the stands. Honestly, came for him a little bit. I think. Did we talk about this in a culture vulture? Or was it just in a newsletter? I think it was just in a newsletter. Yeah. But... Well, anyway, they came for him and they rated all, they rated his TV show like one star, left him real bad reviews. They did what they can. You know, there's not much you can do when you're all over the world, but they did what they can. And he is like, he was mortified. So then he got BTS on his show and he sat down and at the very start, like the members of BTS basically put him on the spot and asked about the hot water that he got in with their fans. And James said, we did two jokes, which I didn't think were in any way offensive to anybody, which is not how you start a good apology. An apology at all. Like, I'm just going to say that I was not in the wrong. Just by the way, I didn't think these were bad. Obviously, they are in hindsight. It's like, oh. Anyway, when he said that they were all 15-year-old girls that liked BTS, it was where he think he went wrong. Of course, it's not true, he said. He considers himself one of the biggest BTS fans on planet Earth, saying, I hope you know this. We absolutely love you, and we love the entire army. The prospect of doing anything that may have upset them, I didn't enjoy that feeling, and I hope they know that we would never do that again. So, and, and like, to be honest, 
he I, his intentions, he did not mean yeah. for this to be um, taken badly, as he said at the start of his apology. And pretty funny that he actually got BTS on to like yes. sort of put himself in the firing line, and which they, I do respect. Honestly, they didn't let him off the hook easily. Like they made him sort of sweat. Oh, it was a really good to watch. We love a sweating interviewer. It's hilarious. Oh my God. Well, we're sweating podcasters oh, most of the time, aren't oh, my we? My hands are so clammy. I yeah. can't even touch my laptop. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> Disgusting. No, we love that. Um, I'm sure there's actually some goop stuff that'll clog the for you. (laughs) I think that would be clog the pores. But I do think that this is nice because he got on stage with the people that he needed to be talking to. Well, he got BTS on stage. He was talking to the fans. That's as close as he's going to get to the whole army. And he apologised. He let himself be awkward. Like, that's all we can really ask, isn't it? But it's also just like, stop using 15-year-old girls as like a negative thing. Liv, honestly. We actually have a podcast on this called It's Time to Stop Shitting on Stand. So actually go and listen to that. Right? It's like if the punchline of your joke is just like a whole genre of people, then probably not. And and young women, because it's like name one thing that young women can be interested in that someone won't make fun of. Exactly. Name one thing. My next naughty or nice, Eddie Redmayne has described his participation in the trans drama The Danish Girl as a mistake, adding that he wouldn't take it on now. So speaking to the Sunday Times, Redmayne agreed that the criticism he received for appearing in the film The Danish Girl, Liv, have you seen it? I haven't seen it. It's a drama from 2015 um, about Lily Alvarez. Um, a painter and one of the first known recipients of sex reassignment surgery in 1930. So the Danish girl got a lot of criticism at the time for Redmayne's portrayal of Lily, which a trans writer, Carol Grant, described as regressive, reductive and contributing to harmful stereotypes. The world was at a place back then where, where people that were in casting weren't looking to the groups or the people that they were trying to portray. They were sort of still looking for the A-listers or people that they think would do a good job, which Mm -hmm. isn't enough anymore. It wasn't enough back then. Eddie Redmayne has come out and said, the bigger discussion about the frustrations around casting is because many people don't have a chair at the table. There must be a levelling, otherwise we are going to carry on having these debates. So he said that he made the film with the best intentions it was a mistake and we need to get more people at the table making sure that from the get-go this doesn't happen. And I thought that this was, I mean, it was it was naughty that it happened, mm. but it is nice. I mean, we just sort of saw it with James Corden as well, that these people are recognising what happened, apologising for it. Yes, it may be in hindsight, but it's bringing the conversation to the table Absolutely. so that we can learn. Yeah. Like, I don't think that now that would happen. You would cast a non-trans person in a trans role. I totally agree. I think it shows how far we've come in, you know, mm. six years. I think back in 2015, I wouldn't have probably realised the, you know, importance No, I watched of... the film and I, I wouldn't have. We were in year 13 at high school and yeah. there weren't even conversations we would no, have No, we having. weren't having them at all. And, yeah, I think that he's obviously grown, he's yes. learned, yeah. and now he's speaking out about it so it won't uh, yeah. happen again. And that's all we can really ask from this point in time. Yeah, especially if you choose to go on the record speaking about it. You know, he could have flagged the question or said off the record. But I think if you want to make a change... Adding to the conversation, even if you're in the wrong, and what is better the right to come? To do. Yeah, what better to come from the star themselves? Yeah. You know, yeah. 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 So that that's my second story. My third story and final naughty or nice: a British MP said that having a female Doctor Who robs boys of role models. This was just ludicrous, love. So Tory MP Nick Fletcher said that. 
Female replacements in shows like Doctor Who are robbing boys of good role models. He said, is there any wonder we are seeing so many young men committing crime? And like he said this in a debate um, on International Men's Day, which, forgive me, but I did not realise had happened. Did no. not realise it was celebrated. Happy International Men's Day to those who celebrate. Absolutely. Mm, not I. didn't realise it happened. Um, he said, everywhere there seems to be a call from a tiny but very vocal minority that every male character or good role must have a female replacement. One only needs to look at the discussion around who will play the next James Bond. So the man's got a bone to pick. He absolutely does. And it, it just is like to me, how do these sort of people get in these high up positions with that sort of thinking? You yeah. know, like... And you know how politics, like, there are points, even in the New Zealand, like, debate chambers, where, like, it is just a game and a sport, and when there's apparently nothing better to talk about, they do just make a real show of it. Absolutely, and they do it for the media coverage. It's really dumb. It is. It's horrific. It's honestly... It's it's just like, if he actually thinks that, like, how can someone who has such a lack of critical thinking be in this position? That's what I always wonder. It's like, how can you... How can you be there? How can How you have be you there? got there? I, I know. Probably like a career politician, like studied right. to go into politics, didn't want to do it because they saw a change they wanted to make. Exactly. Honestly, put a capped term on how long one can be a politician, even an age. Put an age on it. Oh. Anyone younger than 30, um, anyone older than 30, <laughs> you're out. We're refreshing. We're hitting refresh. <laughs> the world's changed. You can go and advise something that is doesn't matter for the planet. Or Who runs <laughs> the world? Young people. Yeah. So, Liv, I don't know. That's that's definitely nice. I think that's nice. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Me Why just saying if Liv will go along with anything naughty. I say. It's so, it's so, so it's naughty. It's definitely naughty. The other and two just, were nice. Sorry, but you Good can't... ratio. Yeah, they were both nice, but off the back of something quite naughty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Repenting. But you can't equate, just going back real quick, you can't equate female superheroes or female lead roles as, like... Crime statistics going up in men, which is what this fuck no, <laughs> no, this is just fuck, stupid. This is just dumb. Actually, it was it was drawing back to a point that you said. He said that they were looking up to the guy in Peaky Blinders, like like, and you yes. said that he was a real toxic role model. Oh yeah, very cold. Like all of these, so like, these are the male role models that we need. Yes, people that are just cold as fuck and don't yeah. give a fuck about anyone else's feelings or compassion. Yeah, I don't I don't know what he was getting at. Now, Liv, I'm very excited to hear about the Grammys because I do not know what they're named after, how they came to be, what the controversies are. But first, before we hear about the Grammys, I think we should hear from our sponsors. I think that would be lovely, wouldn't it? Last week, me and Liv realised that The Office and Parks and Rec are on Neon. And honestly, why and how did I not know this before? Honestly, I think it's because the world knew that we had too much shit to do and that we didn't have time to waste. Not that it's really a waste, but on, you know, fucking great shows. We had bigger fish to fry. We which did. is Which is true, true. Now, you guys know that we love Neon. Neon are the reason that Culture Vulture exists. Like, I cannot stress that enough that without Neon, we would not be in your ears right now. Um, so... You have to love them by default because we do. Exactly. And we've actually just released a survey all about Culture Vulture. And we do, well, we do actually need you to come (laughs) and fill it out for us because otherwise we kind of have no fucking clue whether we're doing a good job or not. Um, So we want to know about all the content you love and sort of 
how much you love this partnership that we're doing because it's for you guys. Yeah, and it just means that we can come back every week and talk shit, but also some smart commentary, hopefully. So please, please, please go and fill it out. We love you all in advance because I know you're going to be lovely. And in case you couldn't tell, which you definitely can because we sing their praises all the time, Neon is our favourite New Zealand-based streaming service. The best part is we all love free stuff. You can get a 14-day free trial to test it out. They also have lots of Christmassy content. So if you just, if you're 12 days of Christmas, 14 days of Christmas, you want to be filled up with all that neon content, you can go get a free trial and watch it all. Honestly, there's nothing to get you in the Christmas mood like a good old Christmas movie, honestly. Thank you, Neon. Thank you, Neon, because you're making this job a reality. So, Luz, I am going to tell you all about the Grammys. Please. Because both you and I did not know. We didn't them. know enough for two no. people that run a culture podcast. Absolutely. So we thought, what a better time to educate ourselves. Um, and... It was interesting. Good. A lot of interesting information. I love to hear that what you're about to say to all of our listeners is going to be interesting. It is, because sometimes I just keep in the bland shit for a laugh. But anyway, (laughs) the um, Grammys actually originated from the Hollywood Walk of Fame project in the 50s. So, you know, those stars all along the boulevard. Yeah. So while they were making a list of recording artists that might qualify for a star, the Walk of Fame committee actually realised that there were too many people and that even a lot of the biggest names in music had no chance of getting a star. So they were sort of like, we need another type of award because there's so many amazing musicians doing such cool shit and we have nowhere to celebrate them. So they wanted their industry to have a similar award system to the Oscars and the Emmys, which mm. were already around. Okay. So the working title for the Grammys was actually the Eddie in a nod to the inventor of the phonograph, Thomas Edison. Oh! Um, but then they decided to have a mail-in competition, and um, there were like 300 entries, and the Grammy was chosen, which is referencing the gramophone, which I personally did, I did not, not realise. Even though was, there's a gramophone I know, on the Grammy. Yeah, so gramophone on the Grammy, that is why they're called the Grammy. And then in 1958, they had their first... Grammys, but it wasn't actually like aired live on television until 1971. Oh shit! Yeah, so, so quite either quite elite or quite irrelevant. Yeah, not quite sure. So they are now the second most popular award show broadcast, just after the Oscars. Oh, okay. The whole thing about the Grammys is that it's like the big question is how do they work? Yes. And there's a lot of privacy around the sort of voting system of the Grammys, but this is what I can gather from my research. So there is one award for each category and there are dozens of categories. So over the year, the number of categories have fluctuated because some have kind of become irrelevant, whereas like new categories come in, which is totally understandable. A lot of it's done by genre, um, but then there are the four big categories that encompass all the genres, such as Best New Artist, Song of the Year, Album of the Year, and Record of the Year. Um, So only three artists have ever won all four Grammys, and the first person was Christopher Cross, then Adele did, and then Billie Eilish did. She got all four in one night, Um, and so did Christopher. Okay, I don't think I've ever processed how amazing it is to get all four in one night. Like, fucking wild. Think of all of the and, and she was musicians. She was so young, so of course she did that yeah, classic 18. thing of imposter syndrome and she just discredited herself the yes. whole night in all her speeches. You know, yes. I, I don't deserve this. Like, exactly. Blah, blah, blah. Well, she was the second musician in history to ever get them all in one night. Adele's were, like, spread over a few different... Yeah. Um, award ceremonies. Yeah. Now, do you have the distinction between song of the year and record of the year? 
No. Because I do, because oh. I, I asked um, Twitter and Instagram and I put it in the newsletter. So Record of the Year and Song of the Year are both for single songs. Okay. Song of the Year is for all the all the things that went into composing the song, kind of like like all the people and the things that went into composing the song. Kind of like the, the publishing rights versus yes, the master recording. like what mm-hmm. we spoke about last week. So that's for like the, not just the performer, that's for the songwriters and, and everyone involved. And then Record of the Year, it helps if you think of it as in Record of the Year. Oh. So like the final recording and the performer is oh, the person that wins I've that. I've got you. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because it's always been so confusing. I've looked at Song of the Year and Record of the to Year. To be honest, it just went over my head. I, I didn't know. even know. I was like, yeah, because they're the both categories. Singles. Like, yeah. they're both. Yeah, I know. So really interesting. And lots of people were very helpful when I asked. So the Grammys are run by the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, the NARAS. Um, but I'm going to refer to them as the Recording Academy from here on. I've always wondered so who the confused. Academy are. Mm. Still a bit confused as to who the actual Academy are. Oh, it's, my God. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Um, I could be one of them. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I just haven't told you. Like, <laughs> I'm actually... <laughs> I'm in control of the Grammys. Well, actually, I don't That's think... why we're doing this. We're getting the PR up. Oh, right, right, right. But to be honest, I don't think you fit the criteria, which I'm oh, going to read shit. out. But, like, maybe you do. Maybe you live a double life because you already live a double life. Maybe Hannah you live Montana. a triple life. Yeah. <laughs> triple life. I don't... That's why I was so sleepy last week. Yeah, this is the Grammy sleeping. nomination week. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on, my oh, darling. Oh, goodness. So... They are said to honour artistic achievement, technical proficiency and overall excellence in the recording industry without regard to album sales or chart positions. Okay. So that's what they go by, right? But there is a lot of talk about how it is just like commercialism is running the show. So album sales and chart position really do seem to trump artistic quality and often it is the top 40 over the top musicians. Mm -hmm. So a lot of highly critically acclaimed musicians such as Jimi Hendrix and Diana Ross and Bob Marley never received an award. Mm. Maynard James Keen, the lead singer from the rock band Tool, gave this quote about the Grammys. I think the Grammys are nothing more than some gigantic promotional machine for the music industry. They cater to low intellect and they feed the masses. They do not honour the arts or the artists for what he created. Gendered. Yeah. <laughs> it's the music business. Sorry. Yeah. Seriously gendered. Seriously gendered. It's the music business celebrating itself. That's basically what it's all about. Okay. I, strong points. I get it. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with the low intellect. You know, like strong points were made, but yes. I see the overarching like... It's and I think this is a relatively old quote. Oh, well, him but, saying he, yeah, what I he know. created. It, there's a nod to it, right? <laughs> yeah, literally. So there's a myriad of reasons as to why this might be the case, that commercialism really drives the success. Now we're going to go into how it's sort of all voted for so you can kind of understand why we get the outcomes we do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite a complicated process, so hold tight. Oh, but God. from my understanding, anyone can nominate an artist. Like you or I could go online and nominate someone, right? Could we? Yeah. But um, and that goes to the Recording Academy. But the thing is, the artist songs must take a number of boxes, um, including that the song has to be commercially released and sold in the United States to be eligible. Um, it also must be available for sale through a large distributor. So it's really interesting the point about the United States. I, know. I always saw the Grammys as an international facing. I know they have Latin um, areas, yes, like categories, but. 
That is really interesting in like the West and who holds the power over what we like. Oh my God, 100%. Like, you know, it's global, but it has to be so it's not sold in the States. It's dominated by the US. Well, yeah, but from like, you know, you could be from anywhere. You don't have to be in yeah. the States, but obviously. Yeah, that's like, so if you're not sort of adding to the US economy, yeah, then you're not relevant in Grammys. But exactly. Carrying really on. interesting. Um, so a group of 150 recording industry experts decide on whether these entries that, you know, can come in from anywhere are eligible for the category that it has been entered in. And then the list of these eligible entries are then passed around recording academy voting members. So these voting members, as I actually said just before, because why Lucy could not possibly be one, is because they have to tick a list of criteria. So they have to have been credited with 12 physical or digital tracks released online only and currently available for purchase with at least one track in the past five years. They have to have had six credits on commercially released tracks currently available for sale and distributed through physical distribution outlets such as record stores with at least one track in the past five years. They have to have won a Grammy before and they have to get an endorsement from a current voting member. Oh, and they have to be over 160 centimetres because all those other ones I took. Except for yeah, that exactly. <laughs> and then, yeah, they said that, yeah, you and can't be short. <laughs> you so. can't be short. Now, Liv, that's actually wild because mm. I did not realise that you were you were part of the club. Yes. That, like, in the industry. I thought there'd be people, like, art appreciators, art curators, like, you know, not every person that's a good judge of music right. is a musician. Exactly, because it can often cloud I'm your... sorry, is Ariana Grande out there, like, possibly voting? Well, seeing as she actually later on we'll talk about, but she boycotted it one year, so... Um, oh, my God, what? <laughs> she personally isn't, but, yeah, there'll be a lot of people. Liv, that's so interesting. I know, it's so interesting. They're basically posed as musical peers, yeah, yeah, which is just like an exclusive club. Exactly. And then I think some of the voters are then eligible to be put up oh as my well. Oh, God. This is so interesting. So it's all just very complicated. It's like shoulder tapped. You have to win a Grammy yeah. and then you have to be shoulder tapped. Exactly. <gasps> so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. yeah. So that list of entries is, is passed around, as I said before. And then each of these members may vote to nominate um, in the general fields, which are those four big... Yes, the big ones. Yeah, the big ones. Um, and up to nine other fields okay. of the, the genres. Um, and then the five recordings that earn the most votes in each category become a nominee. Oh. So, you know, when you say... Taylor Swift was nominated for blah, 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 blah. Like, that's because she was in the top five of the nominations to become a nominee, oh, if that okay. makes sense. So there's, like, yeah. there's layers. There's layers. So you have to be nominated to be a nominee. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So Because anyone can be nominated, and they yes. often, you know, they get thousands and thousands yes. of nominations. So. And that's why there must be sometimes surprising ones yes. that get nominated. And once they're nominated, people are like, oh, yeah, that actually is fucking good. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So one of the main issues with this is that the Grammy voting committee is so big um, that a lot of the people voting aren't aware of every category, so big names are sort of more likely to get nominated, yeah. right? So, you know, it drives into this commercialised machine because the more famous you are, the more people would have heard of you. You know, they're not necessarily going to sit down and listen to every single oh, thing. Exactly, right? that's so true. So and it's that, like... That feeds into what I'm going to talk to about TikTok, is mm-hmm. like 
the only reason you've probably heard of some of these people is because you've heard the sounds on TikTok yeah. and you'll vote for them because you have associations. Exactly. So it's all about that. So this is why a lot of the people that get, you know, these awards, it's top 40, it's it's digestible yes. music. It's people that can associate your name to your song and then... Exactly. It's people mm. that, yeah, create stuff that a lot of people can just sort of like bop to instead of necessarily having like a huge cultural impact, mm. right? And then we know that a lot of these top 40 artists are brilliant at their craft. They wouldn't oh. be there if, it, again, lots of it's really good music. Like, Absolutely. A lot yeah. of it is really good it's music. So but some of it isn't. And oh, hell yeah. yeah and some of it's just regurgitated of, like, everyone else's. Exactly. Because I was thinking, like, surely that if it's in the mainstream, it means it's good because it's popular, right? So people like it. But then it's like we have to take into account the money pumped into, oh, you know, the distribution yeah. and the marketing of so much music and the way that it's, portrayed to the public like and the names attached to it like you might not be a good musician you've got a big name you're probably gonna get some radio play literally like we're constantly manipulated by consumerism right so it's like music is no different we're constantly manipulated to make ourselves like a certain song and then when your friends like something you're much more you know inclined to like it yourself Mm -hmm. so some of it is amazing and some of it's not that the academy like is it manipulated as well? Like, I'm, oh, they can, for I'm, sure. I mean, they've all won Grammys. I'm sure they know a lot about music, but they're humans. They're humans. They will just like what we all like. They're probably scrolling through TikTok, hearing Doja Cat and being like, that is such a vibe. Doja Cat is a vibe, but, you know, like, yeah. they have that association. They're just I know, they're like trying us. to be up with the trends because if, like, you know, you are you don't want to be a has-been. Academy person and not know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like people get quite like, oh, yeah, I need to be up with what's new or whatever and then kind of forget about the quality potentially. Wow. But, yeah, so, so that's a big issue. And um, Rob Kenner, who was a Grammy screener, wrote for Complex that I soon learned another unwritten rule during private conversations with another committee member. Be careful about greenlighting an album by someone who was already really famous if you don't want to see that album win a Grammy because famous people tend to get more votes from Clueless Academy members regardless of the quality of their work. So that sort of just backs up everything we've been saying, right? I can imagine that at one point in time, the Academy Academy members would have been these wonderful, wonderful, really crafty, really smart people. And then as it got bigger and bigger and people got shoulder tapped in, it just became what now Mm -hmm. Rob Kenner saying, be careful because the Clueless Academy will like vote for you. It's like, I'm sure at one point it wasn't Clueless. And it's just, it's amazing to hear people from the industry calling them Clueless. Exactly. And as we're going to go into, but there's a lot of corruption within it because, you know, boys club mentality, like all of this shit, right, that we have in I'm sure there's a much. lot of white men in there that just don't know shit from shit. Exactly. So there's a lot of people that get in these places. But mm. anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll carry there. on. But then what happens, there's apparently another committee that is assembled by the Recording Academy who reviews the choices of the voters and then makes adjustments oh. if they feel like they need to. So why so, do we even vote? It's pretty much America's democracy. Yeah. So, and this committee was actually put in place. It was put in place for a good reason because after um, Lionel Richie won the album of the year with Can't Slow Down and it won over Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA and Prince's Purple Rain, which basically the public were saying that the Grammys were no longer, you know, were no longer celebrating good music. Oh, okay. So so you're saying that the Grammys had to step in and make sure that the decisions of the people were... Were represented. Were represented. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's like, say, like, 
I got together a whole lot of Harry Styles fans. He'd released a yeah. shit-ass album, but they were so strong that it was like, yeah, let's go vote for him. And then the Grammys are like, fuck, we're going to lose all credibility we have left. A hundred percent. That's good. exactly the right. case. Yeah, so quality was not being, yeah. well, it felt like it wasn't being looked at, yeah. right? So was Lionel Richie's album not good? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, not sure. I'm, I'm, Bruce Springsteen must have... Uh, really had a great album then for people to be like, no, Lionel Richie shouldn't have won. (laughs) So, yeah, and however, this committee is pretty private and the members are secret, so... This this specific, you know, the subcommittee that's <laughs> yeah. looking over all the people's votes exactly and, sure and sort of adjusting. Um, yeah, so that it's a very very private as to who's in that committee, and there's only ever been one journalist to get an unnamed oh. member of this committee on record, and this was in 1999 for the LA Times. And the quote from this unnamed source was that the goal in each category is to take the 20 nominations that the members send forth and get the list down to a consensus census of to seven or eight that we feel are best. Mm-hmm. When we get that consensus, we stop. Each member of the committee then fills out a ballot, which isn't tabulated that day. So when we leave the room, no one, including Mike Green, don't know who the fuck he is. Um, <laughs> no one, including Mike Green, that's a really important guy. Really More important, important guy. than Mike Green. <laughs> we are not sure. <laughs> um, knows the results. The only ones who know are the accountants when they tabulate it later. And so I'm, I'm assuming tabulated means like counted up. I'm guessing. And also, who are these accountants? Because they could be slips well, slip thing. They, if they've only seen it, you know, who's to say that they're not huge Billie Eilish fans? So it's meant to be. It's meant to. Yeah. Do they have like a jury selection for the accountants to make sure? Right. So this shit's not on the Grammys website. Are these? So the public are voting in these categories. And then it's going through all these weird systems, which mm-hmm. means that it does not really matter mm-hmm. what the public are voting about, exactly. voting on, yeah. because the 20 go down to seven or it's whatever. It's not a democracy. No. It's not a democracy. It's not. There's some topping up. There's some cutting down. It's very confusing and probably for good reason because they want it to be. Absolutely. A screening committee also decides which genre your music is in. And basically the closer you... The closer your album gets to mainstream music, the more likely it's going to be sort of eligible for many different genres mm. because a lot of mainstream music is quite a mix and some people say that it's quite watered down and so like therefore... when Lord won Best Rock Album? Right. Mm. So it's like, therefore, these kind of really hardcore genre-defining albums don't have much of a chance because they can only be, you know, if yeah, you've got this... Yeah, because these mainstream ones exactly, could tap into genre. could tap into everything. So it's like a pop album could be in the jazz category and, like, you know, these hardcore jazz beautiful albums just have no chance because this one's obviously popular as fuck, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that is sort of the whole system wow. as to how it's chosen, how they go about it. I mean, we sort of knew that the same people get nominated over and over again and that's mm-hmm. because they're popular and, like, there's no really seat at the table for the little yeah. guys, but... But then you sort of hope or you sort of think, like, surely there's a way for these, this really great up-and-coming independent, you know, artist to, like, they're great at R&B, mm-hmm. so surely they'll get in that category. And it's like, well, actually, no, because yeah. Justin Bieber might record something called Peaches and, like, slide exactly, on in. Exactly, and slide on in. <laughs> wow, love, that was actually fascinating. Yeah, real interesting, eh? Yeah. So now, um, Luce, we're going to go into a few controversies. Oh, my favourite. Controversies. Controversies. Wh- whichever way you say. swing. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> surrounding the Grammys. Okay, um, guys, just before I get into this, there is mention of sexual assault. So if you don't want to listen to this piece, um, just skip forward about three minutes. So... In 2020, the Recording Academy suddenly replaced CEO Deborah Dugan when she was on leave. This was forced leave, by the way. Oh. Because they said she had been accused of bullying an assistant. Dugan then denied the charge and then actually filed a 44-page complaint saying that the real reason she had been suspended was because she had spoken out against the Academy's general counsel for sexually harassing her. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So she then she got put on leave and then she got fired. Then she got fired. And also she sort of brought light to the fact that the guy who was the CEO before her, he was a CEO for 17 years of the Recording Academy, Neil Porteau, had been accused of raping an artist and he denies this charge. But I think they let him go because he had been making inappropriate comments to musicians. But it turns out, as she discovered when she became CEO, that he had actually been accused of raping one of the artists. Shit. Deborah Dugan had been hired in an attempt to start modernising the organisation and was the first female CEO of the Academy. Um, That's classic, eh, to bring in a woman to mm -hmm. try and turn it around. They say something and then get punished for it. She was there for five months. Shit. I know. And so once she attempted to bring to light all of the horrible shit that was happening that was made possible by quote-unquote boys' club mentality of the academy, they got rid of her. In this complaint, she also alleged corruption and favoritism within the Grammy nomination process. So in an interview with the Los Angeles Times, she said, The ceremony is about musicians and the fans. I don't want to taint that. But this is about the Recording Academy. The Recording Academy must change. To bring the Grammys down because of a few bad eggs in brackets at the Academy, wouldn't be fair to the artists. This is not something that I would bring upon myself to try and grab the limelight right before the Grammys, but I feel like there was a series of events and I had to defend myself. Holy shit. And and there's just a bigger conversation there about, like, facades and power. Like, you brought in this CEO who is meant to have the utmost power. She's a woman. She's meant to change things around. Yet still, you say one thing and there's some uh, someone that's got you as a puppet on a string that can cut those strings as soon as you try and say something. Absolutely. Like, who's really in power here? Why it's do you have front. a CEO? It's such it's a, a fucking front. front. There was also the fact that the, the guy who was CEO before her, who was there for 17 years, when he got you know, let go. They were going to pay him $750,000 to like do contract work for them, but kind of like under like, the table in a sense. CEO, yeah, you're not the CEO, but we'll, we're still we'll look shush, after shush. You. Yeah, we'll look after exactly. You. Oh my God. So there's probably a lot more to this story. Um, so if any of you are interested, there's a lot of great articles on Vox about it. Mm-hmm. So go have a read up. But there's so many controversies around the Grammys that I just couldn't go to in depth. So this year also, the ethics of the Grammys was really put under the spotlight when The weekend's Blinding Lights track, um, which was arguably the biggest song of 2020, wasn't nominated like at all. Mm. The Recording Academy has been accused of continuously failing to recognise artists of colour. Um, the Weeknd vowed to stop submitting his music altogether for consideration going forward. So he's I just going to take himself out. I remember this happening last year when mm-hmm. he got, because everyone was like, he's been snubbed. Yes. Like, absolutely totally snubbed. Totally snubbed. And then when you told me this year, because he has been nominated this year, hasn't he? And I was like, okay, I'm not going to look into this because I want you to explain. Well, anyone can submit it. It's That's all true. His wording, mm-hmm. I think. Him saying, I'm not going to submit any of my own is like, 
I'm going to take a stand. However, if you still want to recognize me, that's open. And so because you've now taught me that anyone can submit, that must be my non-expert opinion yeah. of how it must have gone. I mean, submitted. it must. I'm, yeah, no, I, I think, have. yeah. I'm part of the academy, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might be right, actually, because, yeah, I did wonder. But also, there's this has happened to a lot of other people. Um, Beyonce has also been pretty neglected by the Grammys, despite actually um, being the record holder of, like, the, she's got something like 27 to 28 Grammys, but she hasn't actually received a major award in the last decade, despite, like, drastically changing the music industry with her self-titled album and also Lemonade. And, like, silent drops. and Yes, exactly. So all of that shit. And so this year she was finally acknowledged as being the most nominated artist, but then took control of the narrative by declining to perform. So she was basically like, oh, now you're seeing me. I don't want to be there. Yeah. You know? I mean, it is so funny that she's had like 27 Grammys and she's going, now you're seeing me. Now you're seeing me. However, I think she'll be doing this and stand with a lot of other artists of colour that she knows. Absolutely. Yes, it's all well and good who are getting all these nominations, but she's like, well, to be an ally, I'm seeing all my mates and these like wonderful, wonderful artists not be nominated. It's like, go Beyonce. Yeah, and also she, like she said, she wasn't going to come to the Grammys, but then she came for Megan Thee Stallion's performance to mm, cheer her on, true. basically. And that was the only reason that she was there, I think, just for that portion of the show. So go, Beyonce. Many other major artists, such as Nicki Minaj, Ariana Grande and Zayn Malik, have boycotted the awards altogether. Mickey Guyton was also the first black female solo artist ever to receive a nomination in the country music category this year. Oh, wow. In the country music, okay. No black female solo artist had ever been nominated. Nominated nominated in the country section. That's wild. (laughs) Um, BTS was only nominated for one award, Best Pop Duo or Group Performance, but the Grammy was given to Lady Gaga and Ariana's single, Rain On Me, which... In my opinion, not their best work. No, and and the BTS stands... Uh, that's actually like who I was thinking about when you were mentioning how the Grammys step in when too mm. many votes come in from a certain person that they don't deem as like for exactly. a certain band or person. Because they you'd don't be thinking as... the stands would be taking that by storm, oh, right? The BTS Army would have you would have them win every single yeah. fucking Grammy if it was up to yeah, them. They'd be then, able to do it as well. Yeah, exactly. So that's really interesting. So yeah. And then also the last time a black person won album of the year was in two thousand and eight when Herbie Hancock won for a tribute album to Joni Mitchell, who is a white woman. Mm. So mm-hmm. take that as you will. I mean there's also it just so many good articles that you can read on this in every awards show. Oh, like every award Oscars, show. Oscars, mm-hmm. like all of them. And and we would be remiss not to touch on it, not to talk about it. Absolutely. And like, you know, we've got to get these conversations going. So people, because then people do end up boycotting and putting on pressure and yeah. then they do have to change. Like we can make, you know, make shit better. So the Recording Academy has since invited 2,300 new artists to become voting members. So this is like their response to all of this, right? Um, but a lot of people have have said that we need a lot more work than just this to change and the system. And have they told us who the voting members are? Like In this article, they didn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You might be able to find Interesting. that. Interesting, yeah, because yeah. they're quite secretive about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, exactly. So um, 
I'd love to see the contracts. Like, Literally. I'd love to see what I can say, can't say. Right. So interesting, yeah. the NDAs. Yeah. Yeah. Aware of this tension, the Recording Academy's CEO gave a speech promising, so this is a different CEO. CEO. Obviously, yeah, I think that he's a stand-in CEO. Gave a speech man. <laughs> yeah, promising that the group will listen harder to marginalised voices. And there was a title card displayed at the end of the ceremony noting that the Recording Academy stand against, quote, quote, unquote, all forms of racism, sexism, violence, anti-Semitism and hate. I know there were close eyes on the 2020 Grammys because of the huge resurgence of obviously the Black Lives Matter movement in the US. And exactly. Just the need for them to not just try to do better, like just physically do something better. Absolutely. And then like all we can do now is sort of watch where they go from here, watch them change, watch who their new CEO is, see if they listen. For sure, because it's it's really nice to celebrate things, right? Hell, and like because you know a lot of people are sort of like, why do we have these things all together? But like, I am such a believer in life. Like, if you don't celebrate shit, like, what's the point? What what is literally the the point of doing it? But it's like you got to be able to enjoy it. Exactly, and like, I think we can make this a much more positive experience for everyone involved. Because yeah, at the moment there's issues of commercialism, sexism, racism, all All of the isms, all of the isms. Um, so. Yeah, that's basically the rundown of what the fuck the Grammys is actually about. But, Luce, you're going to tell us about TikTok and how it's changing the game. I am. And and that was really interesting, Liv. I love nothing more than coming onto this podcast not knowing much about a subject. Like, don't get us wrong, me and Liv talk about what we're going to do. Like, we plan these quite meticulously. We do, yeah. But we try not to learn about what the other person's telling us so you're getting our reactions on real time. And so that it's a gauge of yeah. if I've understood what Liv's saying. Exactly. you will will. And that was fascinating. This is turning – our music industry episodes are my favourite Same. Ones. We're diving what? into the depths. Oh, I love it. I love them. So another, obviously, thing, facet, area that me and Liv are fascinated by, despite the fact that Liv's not on TikTok that we mention every <laughs> single time. Every single but time. But I'm on it enough that I can fill her in on everything that happens. We, um, we thought we'd talk about TikTok absolutely ruling the Grammys. And for the past sort of two years – TikTok and the sounds that go viral on TikTok have kind of ruled them, which I am kind of into in a weird way. It's like, because sometimes you'll hear there's these two artists that have been nominated for Grammys that you would not imagine. And like without TikTok, they would not be on anyone's radar. And it's like, I don't know. It's quite exciting. It's quite exciting for them because it feels like the little guy's getting a chance, even though most of these TikTok songs that go viral have either been paid for by the music exactly we can't be naive and thinking that nothing's been fucked with but yeah some of them i feel like have been quite authentic particularly if you think about olivia rodrigo and how she got her start on tiktok with driver's license absolutely lots of the songs nominated in those four major categories at the 2022 grammys so the upcoming grammys were tiktok hits this year because tiktok does really determine pop culture and culture and it's like from the weird trends and like the salmon bowl that I eat every day for lunch that Emily Mariko, a TikToker, like makes to to like, I don't know, fashion and music. Everything has to go on with music. To what we talk about in these episodes. Because yeah. like every week it's like, oh, I saw this thing on TikTok or Liv, you need to watch this. Yes. And yeah. And like we we can't deny that it forms our culture, sometimes in good ways, sometimes in bad ways, but all the time in quite interesting ways. Um, so over half of the nine nominees for Song of the Year and, and half of the ten nominees for Record of the Year were all TikTok viral sounds. 
I did see an article by Business Insider that said six out of nine and seven out of ten. Right. And I read through them, and some of them I didn't recognize, but they might have gone viral on TikTok, just not on my algorithm. So totally. it could be even higher than wild. That's so, wild. Yeah, we had like um, Lil Nas X's Montero, call me by your name. Now he he fucking wrangles TikTok like no one else I've ever seen. We have Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo, Silk Sonics Leave the Door Open, Doja Cat and Scissors Kiss Me More, or to be honest, anything they touch. Mm-hmm. Um, Saweetie and Doja Cat's Best Friend. We had other TikTok famous hits like Happier Than Ever went viral, viral on TikTok. Peaches, Justin Bieber's yep. song, Megan The Stallion's Thought Shit, or again, lots of Megan The Stallion stuff. Lil Nas X and Jack Harlow's Industry Baby, and just, just... So many songs appearing in those four big categories, particularly. It's like I recognize via TikTok. Yeah, it's like the new radio. Well, it is, and it's like it's getting more eyes. It's like like most democratic radio. Yeah, yeah. But like I mean, how democratic yeah, is it's it? It's like but... you're choosing to listen to it, but actually, no, you're not because your algorithm is determined by exactly. The and the more about. you hear something, the more you like it. Blah blah blah. blah. Like, don't you worry, guys. Me and Love do think really hard about this. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> These but, are the points we need to cover, yeah. I know. Even weird songs like there was a country song called The Fancy Like Applebee's TikTok Song, which will mean nothing to you, but it was just this this country song that went kind of viral and it was nominated yeah. for Best Country Song. So it's just like the impact. Like we cannot discredit TikTok Absolutely and the impact not. it has. Now, I have just two honourable mentions because this makes my heart very happy. My first honourable mention is... The two girls, Liv, we spoke about this in the TikTok um, music industry episode, that wrote an unofficial Bridgerton musical. Yes, yes, yes. And I watched it from from the concept, which was literally just like some song snippets. And the two girls, Abigail Barlow and Emily Beer, who are now called Barlow and Beer, who said, what if Bridgerton was a musical? And just like were playing on the piano, singing these songs. And then I watched them, like, write all these different songs for all the different scenes of Bridgerton. And then they released it on Spotify. And it was like, oh, cool. Like, they've actually gone and done it. And then a video came up on my TikTok of them listening to the Grammy nominations. And then they hear their soundtrack be nominated for a fucking Grammy for Best Musical Theatre Album. And they just, like, Lost lose it. it. Because like, I've got fucking goosebumps just talking about it. Like, so do I. Like, I haven't even no, literally seen the thing. Yeah. They were just on TikTok being like, what if it were a musical? And Emily, um, the pianist, is like a fucking prodigy. Like, she's amazing. And then Abigail is an amazing singer. And they were just playing around. And then it became a Grammy-nominated song. And it, just imagine. It's, it's like that small percentage of TikTok that isn't fucked with by, like, the commercial giants, yes. right? And it's that just like... straight to yes. me, the perfect consumer. Right, and it just squeezes through because it's really fucking good. And sometimes shit that's good just... You know, people appreciate it. I know. Oh, my God. That's beautiful. Wholesome. So wholesome. And then we have, this is like maybe even more wholesome, but there is this stunning, stunning like arrangement of Eleanor Rigby. You know, the song Eleanor yes. Rigby. That's that's my by guy called Cody, Cody Fry. And it goes a little bit like this. <laughs> And 
it's just like this beautiful arrangements with like big symphony orchestras like it, it's so so amazing basically he wanted the song to be accompanied by a lot of lonely people because the song's talking about like all the lonely people and so like where do they he, all come from yeah he got participants to like send in recordings of their contribution to it he like got a full orchestra together backing his vocals i think it ended oh up gosh. having like over over 50 people like contribute to it it's the most amazing like it's so amazing and then he he got nominated for a fucking grammy for for this arrangement that was just like nothing more than a viral tiktok sound and he and he commented on it and he said this it meaning tiktok interaction translates directly into streaming numbers and those streaming numbers they stick around they are not a flash in the pan I hear a symphony, which was his like thing that he did before this, was doing a couple hundred a couple thousand a day, meaning plays, back in January, which for me was great. It peaked at over four hundred thousand a day during the peak of my TikTok trend. Even Whoa. now it still does over two hundred thousand a day to compare to what it was before is still crazy. So TikTok might go through trends, a dime a dozen every day, but for me, the fans that I can build through the TikTok scene for now at least seem to be lasting, which is really cool. And he said that, like, when he started going viral on TikTok, he hadn't even downloaded the app. Like, he, I think he started off as, like, you know, someone that makes arrangements of, like, songs like Eleanor Rigby. That, like, I'm not saying that you're, like, probably a music snob, but you're probably really interested in music and, like, the real technical parts. And then, yeah, and then he just, he found this, like, huge fame. It's this beautiful arrangement, and it's really, really weird and odd that just this random guy that made a stunning arrangement with all these lonely people is now nominated for a Grammy and I think that's really fucking cool as well. It's so so true like what he said about you know you get your 15 minutes of fame or whatever yes but you can make that last if you're if you've got the shit to back it up or you're clever about it right and it's like if you already have something on Spotify I feel like that's important Mm -hmm. not if I see a lot of people on TikTok releasing music or like showing demos of their music or singing live and I'm constantly I constantly go and look at their Spotify because like if I like it I want to go and add it to my playlist and they're like new music coming soon they've not got anything it's like when you don't have anything yet and then you go viral and you're rushing to get something out it's either really bad because you've rushed to get it out or like people are going to forget about you because you've got nothing out there yet that's so true because it's like an advertising machine right like if you've got no product at the end of it like how are people supposed to support you yeah and Mm. and you guys i cannot stress enough how much you should go and listen to me and Liv's episode on tiktok in the music industry because it's it's even more relevant today i I know Mm -hmm. i know so they do have they do have a chokehold on the Grammys, these TikTok sounds. The fact that like over half of the two biggest categories having having TikTok sounds is just like beyond me. Beyond me. Wild. That's oh, all I have to say on the interesting. Yeah, I know. Like the Tic- way that the music world is going. Yeah. I know. I was actually just reading an article before about like Spotify and and the way that you're in like a Spotify feedback loop. So it'll like obviously feed you back what you're already listening to. It. Oh, that happens to me so bad and I can't get out of it. I know. Like I always listen to the radios yes. and then I'm like, no, Liv, like fucking branch out. I know. And so, and then I was thinking it was really interesting the way that we used to consume music or not even we, like our parents used to consume music to these like really, really weird, weird warped like futuristic ways that we now consume music and, and the rate at which we consume it and how sick of it we get so fast oh it's, it's like fast scary. fashion i'm yeah. pretty sure we said that in the spotify episode <laughs> yeah, i'm pretty like, sure we did we just like have this sugary shit and then we yeah. go to the you next you gotta one. get some substance sometimes 
That's pretty much all I have to say about the uh, TikTok chokehold choke holds over the Grammys. Liv, what is on your radar this week? Um, I have a couple of things on my radar this week. The first thing on my radar is um, Maplethorpe or Maplethorpe. I don't know how you actually say it. But it's oh, a film. I'm gonna guess it's Maplethorpe. Does it have two P's? Two P's. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah because then. it's it, it's um Robert Maplethorpe or Robert Maplethorpe. It's his name. Oh, okay. Um, so it's a film that came out in 2018, but it's getting released on Neon on the second oh, of December. Okay. So I can actually stream it legally, which is quite good. That's good for us. Um, so. It's about for any of you who might recognise the name Robert um, Maplethorpe. Maplethorpe. He was Patty Smith's boyfriend um, or lover or friend, sort of everything. Yeah. Um, and the book Just Kids was written about their sort of love affair, and he was a really prominent artist and photographer in the sort of sixties, seventies, and then he died of complications from HIV AIDS in oh, okay. um, the 80s and so he was quite an icon in the LGBTQI plus community um, as an artist and basically yeah the, the film stars Matt Smith and I've I've read that book and that's why I'm really interested yeah. to to watch the film because oh, it's great that it comes out on now I know I saw it and I was like Amazing. Wasn't even meant to plug them, and we just will. Exactly. And then um, the second recommendation that I have is actually a recommendation from our beautiful producer, Tiahe. It's a concert film of talking heads um, called Stop Making Sense, and it's fucking amazing. Like, go and watch it. I actually was wearing a talking heads top. I was the person that didn't really know their music. He asked me what my favorite song was, and I was like, Psycho Killer? I don't know. Oh, my um, God. Pretty I much the only song I know. Though about like fuck you to all the dudes that come up to like girls wearing panties and ask them. It's not a fuck you to Ti here because he is the best you exactly, and, and he it's improved much. my life because I saw this beautiful piece of content. So yeah, it's basically yeah, and on uh, a filmed concert yeah. that was filmed in I think 1984, and David Byrne, the the lead singer of the band, is just a fucking crazy entertainer. So I would definitely recommend watching it. But yeah, Lewis, what's on your radar? My radar is, uh, I've got two things I'm halfway through and one of them I've already recommended, but it's Tick, Tick, Boom. I think I recommended it, I talked about it last week, the film about Jonathan Larson who yes. wrote Rent. This is so far, don't take this as a recommendation because I haven't finished it, fucking incredible. Andrew Garfield's singing, have you watched it? No. Oh my God. Andrew Garfield's singing is actually amazing. Really? I'm shook. Apparently he couldn't sing before this. And I'm like, your boy was definitely busting out some tunes in the shower because oh it's my fucking gosh, good. Yeah. So that's really good. I'm only halfway through it. And then I've also just started the book Song of Achilles. Amazing. I'm not into Greek mythology. And it's all about sort of like a retelling of the story of Achilles. But you don't have to be. You don't even have to understand anything because I don't understand anything and it's amazing. It's just like this beautiful like gay love story and I'm not going to spoil anything else. Again, TikTok's power over me. This this book went viral on TikTok. It's how I found it. Now I'm reading it. It's amazing. It's not disappointing. Anyway, I feel like that's I feel like we're coming to the end of the episode, but do you know, listener, what you need to do right after you turn off this episode? 
Love. What do they need to do? You need to go and fill out the form. Yes. About culture vulture. You need to go and do the survey. I looked at Lucy with a very blank face, and then it came to me just in time. Thank God. But honestly, um, you need to talk about. You need to let us know the shit you like, the shit you don't like, and how much you appreciate Neon for letting us do this every week. Without Neon, no culture vulture. Without culture vulture. Lucy and Liv watching The Office again in Parks and Rec now that we've realised yeah, exactly. <laughs> As always, we have to give a huge thank you to our wonderful producer, Tiahi Butler, for the spin-off podcast network. He lets us make this thing um, sound half pie decent. Liv, would you agree? Oh, yes, and it's just so much better than sitting in Lucy's bedroom. <laughs> I know, struggling through it. Absolutely. We also have to say, obviously, a huge thank you to Neon, and I have to say, a huge thank you to Liv. And I have to say a quite large thank you to Lucy. Thank you, Lucy. <laughs> quite large quite thank large. you to me. And we will be in your ears next week, my angels. We will. See you then. Bye. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast. And I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.